legacy. What is your spiritual legacy? What does that look like? Welcome to the Shepherding Talk podcast. My name is Aaron Kimple, and thank you for joining us. I'm going to share with you today a discussion that I had with Jordan Schaus on this very important topic of legacy. Enjoy. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Monday Night Bible Study hosted by the Dallin Road Church of Christ. My name is Aaron Kimple. Thanks for joining us. We have Jordan Schaus with us tonight. I am just super excited about having Jordan with us. How are you doing, bro? I'm doing great. It's so good to be with you, Aaron, and with you, Ruben, and with all of you from Down Road Church. Thank you for the honor of letting me be with you here on this Monday night. Absolutely. Uh, just do us a, a quick favor, everyone, tonight. Uh, share this link with your friends, whether you're with us on YouTube or Facebook. Please share this with your friends. And uh, if you're with us on Zoom or Facebook, please post your comments and questions. We'll get the, to those tonight. We're going to be talking about legacy. So Jordan's going to be talking about legacy tonight. Again, I'm just so excited to hear about this. So Jordan, why don't you give us a little preview of tonight's lesson, and then we'll have a prayer. Sure. Let me give you the roadmap. We're going to start by talking about legacy laid out from the life of Moses and Joshua, how Moses prepared the next generation leader. And then we'll talk about what legacy looks like and the challenges from one generation to the other, how we can overcome those challenges and strive to follow that model that Moses and Joshua laid out for us. And then we'll end with some practical application. What does legacy look like in a church, in the home, and really just in our life in general? That sounds great. Well, Jordan, as as uh, just to introduce you to uh, to the listeners here, I know some know who you are. Uh, of course, I know you as Roger's son, which I hate to say that, but <laughs> we've known each other for a long, <laughs> long, long, long time. But you've uh, just uh, endeared yourself to so many people as a preacher of the gospel. You're a good man, Jordan, and I appreciate have always appreciated your heart. And uh, we're so glad to have you with us tonight. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about where you are and where you're preaching? Sure. I'm in Dallas and the city of Garland, preaching at the Kimball Road Church of Christ. Uh, I work alongside my mentor, which will fit with tonight's lesson, uh, Ricky Jenkins, who's been here for over 30 years. Uh, my wife and I and our three kids have been here for six years. Uh, we've been preaching 10 years now altogether. And I think I met you when you were 16 years old at the Greenwood <laughs> Church in Indiana. And that was... That seems like a long time ago, but it was it was a good time. It's good memories. Yeah, that's been a while. So it's uh, again, we've grown we've grown together along the way, haven't we? Yes, we have. Yeah. yeah. So let's have a prayer, and then we'll get into your your first point. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for Jordan joining us, and we thank you for uh, the examples that we have in the Bible of leadership, your leadership, and and how you train people, and how you've taught us to train people. We pray for Jordan tonight as he leads us in this discussion on legacy, that you will uh, open our hearts to your word, help us to see these wonderful things from your word, that we can uh, look generationally and, and think down the road and prepare. We appreciate uh, and thank, thank you so much, Father, for Jordan's heart, and pray that you'll bless him in his good work. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so All much. All right, go ahead. All right. Uh, there's a scene that I love. In Deuteronomy 34, when Moses is taken up to the top of Mount Nebo, the top of Pisgah, and the Lord calls him up because his life will end there. Because of his choice of sin and rebel against God, Moses is not going to lead the people into the promised land. And if you follow along with the story of Moses, it's heartbreaking to see him get so close 
to something that had been so dear to him. That was his goal and his mission. That's what he was driving and leading the people towards. And to get this close to the promised land and yet not enter in must have been so heartbreaking. But what's endearing about this scene is not just the fact that God takes him up. He shows him the land. God gives him a private tour and shows him with his own eyes what the people are about to inherit. And so almost it's, it's as if Moses can see with eyes, but also eyes of faith, imagining the people going and conquering and establishing themselves in this land. And that must have helped in some sense to bring comfort and peace to Moses as he reached that end of his journey. What also helped though, and the focus of our study tonight, is the fact that there was someone at the bottom of the mountain who was ready and prepared for this change and for this transition. When Moses went up, the next leader was already in place, was already there. Uh, they didn't wait to choose the next leader. When Moses had gone up the mountain, they didn't cast lots or votes. It had been decided all along the way who was going to be the successor in the role of leadership of God's people, and that was the person of Joshua. I'll give you a few passages that stand out to me when you look at Moses and Joshua and what Moses had done to prepare Joshua for this role. And Exodus 33 and verse 11, you find the phrase that Joshua would not depart from Moses' tent. He knew who Moses was. He understood the role and the example and the influence that Moses had. And so he did not remove himself from that place of learning and growth and teaching. In Exodus 24 and verse 13, it says that Joshua went up with Moses to the mountain of God. I think often we think of Moses alone there receiving that private instruction from God, the law and the pattern for the tabernacle, but Joshua was there. And so Joshua is the one who is learning with Moses and growing with Moses and seeing that interaction between Moses and God. In Exodus 17, God uh, has his people engage in conquest against the Amalekites. They engage in this battle and Moses places Joshua in charge. Joshua is in charge of armies and leads them into battle. What's fascinating, though, is that in verse 14 of Exodus 17, it says, the Lord says to Moses, write this in the book as a memorial and recite it to, and it doesn't say to Israel, it says to Joshua. I want Joshua to hear these words. There's something very important for Joshua to hear and to know and to understand. And I want you, Moses, to say this to Joshua. And then Deuteronomy chapter one, in Deuteronomy chapter one, Moses tells the people of Israel to encourage Joshua. Deuteronomy chapter one and verse 38, it says, Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall enter there, encourage him, for he will cause Israel to inherit it. And so Moses is already preparing the next people that here's going to be the one who's going to lead you. He's going to take my place make sure you're encouraging him. Make sure you place your confidence and your strength in him. This is going to be an intimidating task. And Moses didn't just command it. In Deuteronomy 31, just before all this transition of Moses going up the mountain, in Deuteronomy 31 and in verse 7, it says, Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with his people into the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them and you shall give it to them as an inheritance. I mean, it's just a, a brief glimpse, but you, you see what happened here. Moses is the older generation here, and he is preparing the next generation that is to come, the next leader. 
Moses, a person of, of experience, experience with leadership, but also experience with this people. He is the one who is preparing Joshua, preparing him through his teaching, preparing him through his example, preparing him through time together, time spent together. He's preparing the next person to lead so that when Moses steps out of this role, there will not be an absence. There will not be a gap. When he is ready to step out, the next person will come ready, able, and prepared to take on, to continue the work. So here's just at least our starting point that I think we need to appreciate about what the Lord shows us with Moses and Joshua. That there's a central lesson here that I think is very important, and that is legacy doesn't happen by accident. Legacy is the product of preparation. I'll kick it back to you, Ryan. I, I love that statement, uh, Jordan. It is the product of preparation. It's not an accident. You know, as you were talking about how when Moses left, Joshua took over. And I, I think about in a sporting analogy, some teams say like, we're in a rebuilding year and others just reload. They lose their star quarterback to the NFL and the next, next year, their player is an all-star, you know, <laughs> and he's a standout. Why? They just reloaded. And, and so That's I right. like that concept of uh, Israel, Israel had Joshua when Moses went on to be with God because God made it that way. God says, I'm thinking ahead. And I, I love your example from Exodus 17 of, of mm. God says, Moses, write this down. And, and I want you to read this to Joshua. And I also think mm -hmm. about God knew it was going to be 40 years before Joshua was going to take over the land, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> going to need Absolutely. that record. It's a long haul. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I love your point, too, that in, in having Joshua there all those years ago, it's not just good for Joshua. That's good for the people because they've seen that's him right. being groomed. They've recognized his presence and his voice. So there's, a, there's wisdom in this model of not just replacing at the last moment. I've taken the time and the thought and the effort to make sure that this is a, um, a prepared man for the prepared role. Yeah. I mean, how many times do you see a business or a, or a, or a sports team or a church lose their leadership? And it's mm. now, what do we do? We have no idea what right. to do. We weren't prepared. And that's not the biblical model. God, God wants us to, to think down the road. And uh, so I know you're going to have more to say about that. Um, Again, just make sure you share comments and questions with us on Facebook or Zoom. If you're with us tonight on either one of those platforms, make sure you ask questions or uh, share those comments. Uh, anything that you can think about as far as leadership or mentoring or equipping, things that you've experienced in your life or questions you may have about that, feel free to share those with us. Uh, Ruben, did you have any uh, follow-up comments? Oh, no, uh, I didn't. I thought it was it was a great point, though, this idea that um, legacy doesn't happen by accident. It's a product of preparation. That's such a great point. You know, uh, you know, it's sometimes we think just because we have great leaders now, well, that's good. We're always going to have that. But if we're not constantly preparing that next generation and thinking of the future, well, these things end up breaking down. So yeah, great point. Yeah. Absolutely. I was thinking earlier <clears throat> today as I was working on some other things from my uh, website, uh, Jordan, I was thinking about Mark three when Jesus, uh, I'm not sure if you're going to talk about this later, but, uh, just thinking about how <laughs> no, he you're appointed, good. Okay. <laughs> Mark three. And, and he says he appointed 12 so that they might be with him. I love that phrase. Mm -hmm. Mark three fourteen. 
I'm, I'm appointing you to be with me. I mean, I, I, we can't underestimate like what happened there just because they were with Jesus. And we can see the result of that later on in Acts chapter four, when they, people saw that they had been with Jesus. Hmm. I wonder if sometimes we just assume naturally it will happen, right? Leaders hmm. come, uh, that the right man will be there for the right position at the right time. And maybe hmm. that might happen. You might have a guy who's, who's taken the time to prepare himself and, and that works. But, uh, as we'll see as we keep going on, whether it's the work of the Lord's work in, in the church, or if we're talking about even in the family, uh, there's some things too important to leave to accident or to, right. to happenstance. Yeah. So why don't you just take off with that that second section? Yeah, we got a lot we can talk about uh, because the easy thing is looking at Moses and Joshua and saying, I get that. Yeah, here's an older generation and a younger generation. And the older reaches out to the younger and prepares him. And that seems like, like a natural fit. Seems like it'd be easy to do. And then you realize what Solomon was saying all those years ago in Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 4, that the generation comes and the generation goes. And while naturally that happens, the, the, the natural aging process of life, that some come and some go, those who are younger will grow older and a new generation will arise. The passing along of knowledge and experience, that process of preparation isn't as natural. It doesn't come as easy as we might think it is because each generation is very different. And the way we think is very different. The, the life that we have lived, the world that we are in is very different. This past week here at the Kimber Road Church, our, our oldest member passed away. She was 99 years old. She was just a few weeks from turning 100. She grew up in a really different world than I have and a really different world than her great, great granddaughters have grown up in. Uh, the experiences, the challenges, the, uh, the church and what the church was going through at that time was, was very different than what we're going through today. And I think because of that, because of the challenges, sometimes this mentoring and this passing on of, of legacy doesn't happen. And so I'd like to share a few challenges that we can think about and talk about. And if you have any comments at home, you're watching, listening, I'd like to hear from you too. If you see any challenges, either from those who are older or from those who are younger. One of the challenges for those who are older, reaching out to those who are younger is simply that the challenge of connecting uh, because they're just so different. Uh, their interests are different than those who are older. The way they speak is different than those who are older or today. Uh, they don't speak. They don't phone call. They text. And that's different from those who are older. Uh, the technological differences can become a hindrance sometimes from those who are older. What happens many times is some who are older take a step and reach out towards those who are younger. But it's not always initially met or received or it's not received easily. And sometimes because of that, those who are older just believe that the younger don't want to hear their voice. They're not interested in what they have to say. Uh, they're too busy. They have their own lives. Uh, my, my words wouldn't really add that much. And they, they don't take the conscious time and effort to continue to try and reach and connect with the younger generation because it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of patience to be able to reach out and to build a bridge and to find common interests with those who who are so young and so far distanced from, from the life you lived. I would also say another change for those, uh, or challenge for those who are older is change, is accepting and understanding that change comes. 
that Moseses are no longer Joshua's, um, that they are no longer in their youth. Uh, they're no longer the ones who were uh, grabbing the sword and running in the battle and blowing the horn. They're no longer the ones leading the people. Uh, and then it's also recognizing while I'm stepping out of that role, there are some who are coming on behind me who are then stepping into that role. They're now doing what I used to do. And in fact, not only are they doing what I used to do, some are doing more than I used to do or doing things better than I did it before. And it's hard to accept that life challenge. It, it's hard to accept the fact that change takes place, uh, that there's a time to lead, there's a time to serve, but then there's also a time to step out of that role to let others lead and to let others serve. And for some, they accept it very graciously and they are friends of the coming generation and they partner with them, with them and work with them and take time for them. And they're very patient and loving and helpful for the next generation as they help ease the transition of them becoming leaders. But there are some who don't. There are some who, who don't accept that change and they become very bitter and, and hard and they get very angry towards the younger generation because they just haven't accepted the fact that they are no longer in the position of a Joshua. Now, for those who are younger, one of the challenges of that generation, and I'll say my generation, because that's where I am, is the challenge of impatience. Uh, some of us who are younger, we want to lead, we want to be in positions of influence and responsibilities, um, and we want that without the time and experience and knowledge and training and trust that it takes to be there. We want to be a teacher without first being a student. Uh, we want to be an influence, a, a leader in the church without taking the time to know the people, to build that relationship and that trust. Uh, we want to be a Moses without having spent any time being a Joshua. And we need to slow down. There's a reason that Joshua wasn't put in as a leader in the wilderness wandering. Uh, or even back when Moses was receiving the law, he wasn't the spring chick a chicken then, but it wasn't time for Joshua to lead. There was a lot he had to learn along the way, and there's a lot that we have to learn. We need to accept that. And I would also say one of the challenges for us is choosing improper mentors or, or figures of influence and encouragement in our lives. Uh, I think a lot of us choose Whenever we're bouncing off ideas or trying to learn or, or get experience from others, we choose to pursue people right where we are. And that's the danger in the story of Rehoboam. Rehoboam had this great decision about what to do with the people. That's 1 Kings chapter 12. And the people were crying for relief and for mercy and for patience. And he had the older people, the older sage wisdom, come to him and offer him advice, but he disregarded it. And instead, he wanted to listen to his friends. He wanted to listen to, to advice that was right where he was. And I think a lot of us pursue, only pursue, voices right where we are. There's something to that. There's something about talking to other people with similar experiences. Parents talking with parents about being a parent at this phase with young kids, with teenage kids. There's a camaraderie in that. But there's wisdom and seeking those who are not where we are. That is, they've been there and gone on. Uh, they have experienced more of life, life with God, life under the sun, life through trials, life in the word of God. 
And there's an immense amount of wisdom that comes from, from our senior saints that is not often pursued by those who are younger. In fact, I would say one of the challenges for us, the younger generation, is that we have a lot of friends. We don't have a lot of mentors. Uh, that passage in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you, consider the result of their conduct and imitate their faith. And I think for some of us, we're too focused on our, in our circles and where we are, and we're not pursuing enough those who are ahead of us, the, the wiser voices. And that, that's a shame because Joshua knew the value of Moses. He wouldn't depart from his tent. He built a life around Moses. Uh, he positioned himself around the person he wanted to become. And for some of us, that's more of what we need, less of where we are and more of where it is we want to be, less of, of who we are now and more of who it is we want to become, seeing that modeled in the lives of those who are older than us. I'll share a, a neat um, illustration of this. I'll try not to share the specifics because I don't want to get us kicked off of YouTube or Facebook if there's licensing involved. Uh, what I watch nowadays with my kids are what they're watching. And so we watch cartoon movies and, and things of the like. Well, my middle son loves uh, some movies that are about race cars. And if, maybe that'll give the, the impression of what the movies are. Well, the first movie has this rookie race car who thinks he's everything. And it's only through immense trials and difficulties and meeting someone who is older than him, who used to be a great race car, who then becomes a mentor figure that this race car realizes the value of having a mentor. That young race car realized he couldn't become all that he could be without the help of a mentor. And that was precious. The third movie comes along in that installment and that rookie race car is now the old car. And all these rookies are beating him. And he, for the majority of the movie, struggles with the fact that he's not that young race car anymore. He can't do what these other cars are doing. He's not winning the races anymore. And it's only in the end of the movie that he realizes what his mentor in the first movie realized. And that is sometimes mentoring a racer is far more rewarding than racing itself. And I hit me thinking about these lessons. There's an old quote that I like that said, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. And I believe more of us need to be reminded of that, that there's value in serving and value in leading, valuing and a value in being in your youth and being in positions where you can do certain things with the doors that God has opened up to you. But there's an equally, if not greater reward and benefit to helping someone else behind you coming along to be able to serve, to be able to leave, to uh, lead, to be able to be in a position of influence than actually just being that influence yourself. What's some thoughts I have? What do you have, Aaron and Ruben? Uh, just, just great thoughts, Jordan. Um, <clears throat> I'm just still so thankful uh i'm just going to say personally to see you on the screen and and to look at you and, and to be talking about these things i just appreciate you so much you know as you were talking i was thinking i was about so many things as you're talking but one of the things i got to thinking about is as far as a mentor relationship if, if, as we're thinking this as a mentor and the the value that comes from that i mean think about diff different people in the bible and the things they did when they got older you know mm -hmm. samuel 
was one of those who at one point people wanted to put him out the pasture, but look at the great work he did after that point and how he, he appointed, he anointed two Kings. I mean, he was a mentor to them and yeah, it was hard with Saul, but I mean, where did David go when he was, you know, running away? Uh, he, he went to go get, he'd spend some time with Samuel and Samuel was a mentor uh, and a comfort to him. And, uh, and I think about Elijah, we just talked here a few weeks ago, yeah. uh, Jordan uh, about Elijah and Elijah was depressed. So, so depressed. He wanted to die. He wanted God to do it for him, but he mm -hmm. wanted to die. One of the things at the end of that chapter, as you know, that he had him do is go get Elisha. That's right. And I just think about that and the, and the value of, even when we think there's nothing we can give or nothing that we're not worth anything, God says, mm -hmm. go get Elisha. That's right. I love that. And the fact, so here's Elijah who's a seemingly given up and God's answer is I'm going to put people in your life, especially a younger person. And I want you to help <laughs> him be where you are. But then when called Elisha came and Elisha wrapped himself right. up with Elijah right. so much so that when Elijah's departing, he says, I, I want double your sphere. I want double of you. I, I see such value in you. If you're leaving, at least I want a double portion of you. And uh, again, that's mm -hmm. just furthering what all this is about, seeing the value from both ends yeah. of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's that two-way two -way street. Uh, a couple things here. Uh, Terry, Terry points out, sometimes the older go into retirement mode uh, and the younger don't seek wisdom from the older and oftentimes don't listen. Uh, connection between the generations is very important. There shouldn't be a generation gap among brethren. Uh, let's see mm -hmm. some other comments here. Men, uh, mentor super important. Uh, let's see. Ronald says a congregation should be preparing for new leaders. Even while you have them remember in judges, they were to pass down God's word to the next generation, but they didn't do that. So yeah, very, very good thoughts. Man. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they're the, do what? So that that's, what's troubling about that judges passage is what happened with Moses to Joshua. We don't know what happened. Was it the failure of the older to the younger or the younger, not listening to the older, mm -hmm. but something happened mm -hmm. and it fell off by, right. by that next generation. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, another thing I was thinking about, I don't know, uh, if, did you intend on talking about Titus two later? Yes, sir. <clears throat> okay. Well then I won't say anything. Uh, but so, <laughs> yeah, but just, it's just that, that this is a two, this is a two way street and, uh, you know, we have to be, we have to be, there's that challenge. I have to be willing to, to listen and get outside of my circle. Uh, because, uh, certainly, um, you know, if I'm in my circle, I could probably get, you know, everybody to agree with me or whatever, and just hear the things that I want to hear. But what happens when I, you know, get out of my peer group and then have somebody who's 20 or 30 years, my senior say, Aaron, here's some things that I think you need to think about, uh, in regards to your, maybe the way you're parenting or, or how you approach that situation with your wife. Uh, you know, I mean, there's just a, there's a value in that, you know, and when you see one of the things that I do, uh, Jordan now is <clears throat> whenever I'm, I'm doing a lot of premarital counseling now, and, and I know mm. that I can give them some advice, but I also know that here, like right here at Dallin road, we got couples have been married 60 plus years. And, yeah. and so my assignment for every couple that comes in is like, okay, you're going to talk to three couples, <laughs> you know, yes. so you're going to go out. And, and you're going to, you're going to spend some time, take them out to dinner or go to coffee and you're going to get to know these couples and you're going to learn 
from them. And so that that's trying to kill a lot of birds with one stone, but this side of building relationships and crossing those generational gaps. But that's that's critical because, I mean, that's the best marriage counseling right there. I mean, I mean, yeah, we could read books, but go talk to a, a godly couple who's been married 62 years. That's right. That's right. Or parenting. Uh, when you're yeah, right. with kids who are younger, I don't want to talk to necessarily someone who's going through it unless it's just encouraging. Hey, hang in there. We're going through it. I want to talk to someone who's mm-hmm. been through it and they can help me through it saying, hey, you, you'll make it. You'll, this is what I did. Mm-hmm. And there, mm-hmm. there's light at the end of the tunnel here or, or look at the blessings that will come along the way. And so and I, and I think that is the problem is we're so good at camaraderie, right? Shared life experience mm-hmm. and shared struggle. But we're not necessarily good at looking forward and saying that's where I want to be. And someone is there. So what can I do to learn from someone who is there so I can get there? Yeah. Amen. Great thoughts. Uh, Ruben, do we have anything on Zoom? Let me take a look. Nope. We do not. Okay. All righty. Well, again, uh, thanks for sharing those comments and questions. Keep them coming, and we'll just uh, have Jordan just go on to your next section. All right. Because this is where it gets tricky. Um, This is where uh, we have a phrase at home. uh, We call it walk it off the page study what the Bible teaches, and we understand what it means when God wrote it and what it meant to the people it's written to. But now we need to take this and we need to live it in our lives. This is something we need to walk off today and apply and put, put into action. So how would we take this principle that's shown to us through Moses and Joshua of legacy and live that? What, what, what practically would that look like? And there, there's so much to explore here. Uh, I'll, I'll give you some, and again, for some of you at home, there may be some, some great things for you to think about and explore as to all the different ways we need to think about and pursue and apply this, this important life goal in the way that we live. So I'll start with this. Let's start with those who are older, uh, the Moseses who are among us. Uh, let me ask the question to begin with. Who's going to follow you in your role once you're gone? That that's big and broad, right? Because there, there's so many ways that could be applied. But for yourself, asking it and writing on a piece of paper, who will follow me and roles that I am currently occupying when I'm gone? If I don't have an answer for that, I need to start thinking and looking and pursuing. Uh, and the congregation, here's what that might look like. Uh, we have men who are shepherds today and they are doing their work. They, they are leading and teaching and providing for the sheep. The question is not necessarily who will be a shepherd after you're gone. The question is, who are those coming along now that while I am a shepherd, I can help them and teach them and mentor them and guide them so that they can learn from me and they can see me in this role so that when it's their turn to step into the role of a shepherd, when they are now qualified and their life gets to a certain point and they can now step into this role, it's no surprise. It's, it's no accident. Far too many congregations sometimes just appoint men and it's sort of like, well, now what? What do I do? There's no manual. We have the, uh, the qualifications of the man in First Timothy 3, but there's not a First Timothy 3 and a half that says, now here, let me tell you about your first week as an elder and what you're, what you're going to experience. What if along the way we looked at certain men who were in their 
teens and 20s and 30s and 40s and said, I want to start teaching, mentoring. I want to spend some time with you personally. I want to bring you along. I want to share some, some, some different scenarios about leadership. And I want you to see what it looks like in terms of a shepherd. And that might make a big difference. It's not once I'm gone who's going to lead. It's that I'm looking at the next generation now, realizing one day they may lead, that they may be leaders. And I want them to be ready when that day comes, whether I'm here or not. Same thing with deacons. Uh, when you look at the deacons today, and maybe we have some deacons who are listening, uh, and your role, who's going to follow you? There, there's a church in Indiana that has a young man who does all the AV things, all the AV equipment, the things with the sermons and the videos and then and all the sound booth things. And he was the only one in the congregation who knew how to do it. And so there was two things he was asked to do and he did. One was he wrote a book called In Case I Am Hit by a Bus. And it just essentially explained everything that he did so someone could come along and follow the book and do it. But secondly, he started inviting other men to follow along with him. That they every Sunday would shadow him and see what he was doing. And, and they would ask him questions about how things got turned on and, and how things got arranged. Think about that. If I'm not going to be serving forever, and this work is really important, who's going to be the deacon of this responsibility after me? It may not be that someone trained you. It may not be that someone took the time and helped you get into that role. But now that you have been a deacon in this role for a while and served at this capacity for a while and gained some experience and knowledge in this for a while, is there something you could do today to bring someone along? And no, they may not be a deacon today or tomorrow or in the next while, but when the time comes, whenever that time comes, they'll be ready. They'll be ready for that role. Same thing happens with a preacher, bringing on a preacher. And there are several congregations who follow this kind of model where there's a man who has been preaching at a specific church for a time, for a season. And as he gets older, they bring on a younger man. And the idea of mentoring, at least perhaps in, in my opinion, this is just from, from my opinion, it's not so much teaching this young man how to preach, uh, about the work of preaching, as much as it is the work of preaching with these people. That's what the older man knows. He knows preaching. He knows about preaching and longevity. And there's some specific avenues and, and applications to preaching that he could share and mentor with the young man. But there's so much more relationally that this young man can learn to see and grow in and understand about this church and working with this church and knowing these shepherds and these deacons and learning and working with the future shepherds and deacons. There's a relationship that can be built. There's a trust that can be established so that when the time comes for the older man to change his role, that younger man has been there all along the way. And not only has he seen and learned and grown in his role as an evangelist from the older man, he's grown in his relationship with that people. He knows about how to be a preacher there, of the word there, with that congregation. And in that sense, if anything happens to the older man, there's not going to be a gap or an absence because Joshua is there at the bottom of the mountain and he's ready. He's ready. He's been ready all along the way, prepared along the way. I think about this with Bible class teachers, that there are some 
among us who are some of the most amazing, incredible Bible class teachers. Uh, and I don't just mean of, of adult classes, though that's certainly the case. I mean, even of our kids' classes. There, there are some in different congregations. And you all have such a skill and a talent and an ability to, to weave the word of God in such a creative and, and imaginative way where it sticks with these kids and they get excited to come back. And that's special. It takes time to get to that. It takes working and training and, and exploring and experimenting to, to learn how to be that kind of a teacher. Now, with everything you have learned through these years of teaching, what are you going to do with that? Because there's some coming along behind you who will teach. Can you take the time and have them teach with you alongside with you right now? Take some quarters and share with them. Here's what I have done. Here's what I have, have learned. And here, here's ways that I have, have, have grown into being this kind of a teacher. So that if there's a time when you don't feel able or willing or, or, or in a position to teach those kids anymore, there's someone who you've taken some time to help them learn about successful teaching, teaching in Bible classes. And really, even if I'm not a leader, at least in, in the local congregation kind of standpoint, for all who are older, older in, in your service to God, those of you who've been walking with God for some time now, uh, you've been faithful to God, you've been studious in the word of God. Titus chapter two, where Aaron mentioned a moment ago, lays the responsibility on older generations to reach out to those who are younger. It says in verse two, of Titus chapter two, older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, and perseverance. Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, in their behavior, not malicious gossips or enslaved to much wine. They are to be teaching teachers of what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind being subject to their own husbands so that the word of God will not be dishonored. You hear what's taught there? Are there things you've learned all these years about being a mother? It's not saying you've done it perfectly. In fact, maybe some of the things you learned were from some of the mistakes and the hardships, but lessons you learned that you could share and encourage and bless a younger generation with. Are there some things about your walk with God, some challenges that you faced that you could warn or prepare or help the next generation with? Some of those are mentioned, right, specific in verse 4 and 5. Maybe about the heart that strains from purity or lips that are prone to gossip or hearts that just tend to wane away from a pure devotion to God. Are there some things that really helped you to walk closer to Jesus? Are there some things in your life, some habits you developed, some friendships that you that you built that really made a lot to you? Are there some things in the years you have spent with God that have drawn you close to God that you can share with the next generation who are coming on behind you? Because Paul says it's not that you just can. It's that you must. You must. What have you learned over all these years that you can bless the next generation with? What teaching, what knowledge, what understanding? Let me ask it specific, because this is where the rubber meets the road. I can't answer it for you, and you can't answer it for anyone else. You can only answer it for yourself. Who is the person that you're working on, that you're pursuing, that you're trying to help shape and mold and encourage and help them grow along the way? Who, who's your Joshua in your life? Uh, even in the home as moms and dads, this really is our goal, is helping the next generation, our own children, 
grow to become not only what we are in a sense, but even beyond us, to know more than what we know, to serve in ways that we, even beyond what we were able to serve, we're just trying to shape and mold and teach and help this next generation. And that's what can happen here among us, brethren. I know, I know that there are some who are older and what you feel inside may sound a lot like this. They just don't, they don't need to hear from me. Someone else, maybe a teacher, maybe a preacher. We have so many wise brethren among us. They don't need to hear from me. And that's a lot of Satan working in us. You don't have to have a Bible PhD to be able to be a blessing to the next generation. You have experience. You have experience with God. You have experience with his word. And you taking the time to talk with someone who's coming on behind you to show your care and your concern, to shower on them your, your attention and your blessing can make such a difference for them. And so I would encourage you to provide teaching and opportunities for the next generation. Teach them what you've learned. Share with them things that you've studied and grown in. Provide opportunities for them to serve alongside of you, to watch you in action, to, to maybe teach and you be uh, the, the coach. Uh, provide for them opportunities to grow and to try. That's, that's really from the, the statement given in Ephesians chapter four of the different roles that were given by Jesus to the church. Ephesians four and verse 11, he gave some as apostles and prophets and evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. The roles in place now to help the people now and to come to be equipped, able to serve. And those of you who are older can do that, can do that now. But I would also encourage you, those of you who are older, one thing you can help the younger generation with is to instill great confidence. That Deuteronomy 31 and verse 7, Moses said to Joshua, be strong and courageous, because there's a lot of, of, of fear and anxiety and, and trepidation for those who are younger, if they're honest, about stepping into roles they're not in now. You just, you face it. It's a young person going off to college for the first time and leaving home. Uh, it's the first time in the job. In the service of God, maybe it's the first time leading or teaching, first time in, in, in a, that kind of an influence kind of role. But to hear from someone who is older, hear this now, to hear from someone who is older, to reach out to someone who is younger and say, I believe in you. And, and you can do this. You are brave and you were strong, and you were wise, and I will be here for you and stand next to you and help you all along the way. Be strong and courageous. What an amazing difference that would make in the heart and the life of someone who was younger. But let me end with here, because I know we need to come back and, and, and hear what you all have to say, but let me talk about those who were Joshua's just for a moment, the Joshua's among us, and I'll ask you the question, when you look at those who are older than you, and I don't mean by a small measure, I mean those on the other end of life than where you are, what is something that you see in them that you want to have in your own life? Something you want to learn from them, something you want to, to take from them before they are gone. Maybe a habit, maybe a trait, maybe an attitude, maybe, maybe some sort of a skill that they have developed. Um, when I look at those who are spiritually strong and mature, who do I want to be more like? Who are the Moseses among us? And on the piece of paper, what I need to ask for myself tonight is, who am I pursuing? When I look out among myself, when I look at my life, do I have any mentors? Do I have any people who are older than me that I'm trying to be more like? That I'm trying to follow their example? 
that I'm looking to them for encouragement, for instruction, for guidance to be more like. I would say this, that those of us who are younger need to, we need to be great students now. We want to be teachers and there's a time to teach, but this is also a great season to learn and we need to be good students. We need to be good disciples. We need to be people who learn and people who listen. It will go beyond measure. It will, it will be a, a tremendous blessing to you and to someone who is older. If you came to someone who is older and said, I just want to spend time with you. I want to hear your story. I'd like for you to share whatever wisdom or encouragement you can for someone who's in my phase of life. I, I just want you to share whatever it is that you can to help me and bless me. That would go so far in building strong relationships between two generations, different generations. There's an immense measure of respect that is deserved for those who are older. The law instilled that in the book of Leviticus about those who have the gray hair. And we do that by taking time for those who are older, making sure they are not forgotten. In many congregations, the emphasis is on youth, youth events, young, young people's weekends. And oftentimes our older members feel neglected. They feel forgotten. And we need to be the voice that says you are not overlooked. Uh, while youth may be a source of zeal in a congregation, age and experience is a source of strength in a congregation. We need your strength. We need your maturity with God and your maturity in the word to help us, to help season us, to help us be patient in times we're hasty, to help us understand why doctrine and, and law is important, but also why grace and patience is important too. And we need perhaps greatest of all of these is to be what Joshua was for Moses. Moses was able to go up the mountain with confidence because Joshua was who he was. I imagine if Joshua had spent all that time on the mountain playing uh, cornhole and hacky sack and hanging out with his buddies instead of listening to Moses, Moses would have been immensely frustrated and discouraged going up that mountain, but he wasn't. And we can give the next generation who is ahead of us so much hope through the way we live and the way we speak and the way we conduct themselves. We show them through the way we live that we are serious about our faith that when their time comes, all of this is not going to be lost. We're not going to abandon this. They did such a wonderful job of teaching the truth and helping us to get to where we are today. We're going to receive that baton and we're going to keep on teaching and we're going to keep on serving and we're going to do what they did for us. We're going to teach the next generation, but it's not going to be lost when their time year is gone. We are showing them today. You have no need to be afraid. The future will continue to be strong because of their work and because of the way that we have received it. All right, just a few thoughts. I'll kick it back. Sorry, I went on a little bit. No need to be sorry. That Those were some incredible comments, and there, there's so much there. But Jordan, I'm, I, I, I started laughing so hard, I covered my mouth about the, if I get hit by a bus book. I, I want a copy of that. <laughs> just for the <laughs> title. Do. Just for the title. I mean, yeah. what a great book on legacy. If I get hit by a bus, I mean... I, I want to steal that title and write a book on it. That is awesome. There's so much there, Jordan. But, but you know, as, as, as I go on that title and I think about it, you know, um, I, I think about, you know, Moses and David and Jesus and Paul and Peter. They knew they were going to die. And one of the things that I see right now as, as we read some amazing words being written by Matt Basford, Mm -hmm. He he's looking death in the eye and he is speaking with such clarity and urgency and focus. Mm -hmm. 
a laser-like focus. And what you see in yeah. the Bible is people like Moses and, and Paul and Peter, when they're about to die, they, and David, you know, I'm going the way of all the earth. They, they know exactly what they want to share and impart upon those that are going to take up the mantle of leadership. And that is yeah. something for us is to realize it may not be a bus regardless. We, we are going <laughs> to meet meet our, eternity, our eternal end, right? And it is important yeah. for us to realize, hey, um, I'm, going to, I'm going to pass this on whether I want to or not. I need to be ready and have that urgency now, not wait until I get a terminal diagnosis to, or something mm. happened, right? It's, it's a, you know, yeah. uh, it's that urgency now. Yes. Preparedness now. Yes. Yes. Preparedness now. Yeah. That focus now. Uh, we have some good comments here I want to share with you. Uh, so Terry says in the past, our elders and their wives took individual high school students under their wings to mentor for several months at a time. It was a great way to bridge that gap. That's a great idea. Yeah. There again is older ones taking initiatives to someone specifically. Yeah. It's not a big group thing. It's, it's we're just going to mentor this, this one person. I like that. Um, of course, Phyllis Dykus Roberts, uh, her grandfather was A.W. Dykus. She, she said, teach your children mm -hmm. to share my grandpa's legacy. Um, our God, he is alive. And James Beard, uh, one of our members here, and uh, he's, they're one of those couples that have been married 60 plus years. He was a former elder. Yeah. Yeah, ser yeah. Serving the Lord is so fulfilling, whether we are serving in an official capacity or just serving. And, and that is Amen. James, who, who he has been nicknamed Hawkeye here because he's always <laughs> watching out for the visitors. And uh, oh, so, um, yeah, but you know, as we think about um, Joshua and Moses, I wanted to come back to that point, mm -hmm. Jordan. We think about Joshua and how blessed he was to have Moses. But as you were talking, one of the thoughts that went through my mind was Moses almost didn't get off the bench. Mm -hmm. He was 80 years old, right? Right. Exodus That's 3 right. and 4. You can read how mm -hmm. hesitant, I mean, to the point where God was angry, <laughs> right? I mean, he, he was right. angry with Moses and Moses was not going to get in the game. There's Joshua's mentor. So <laughs> as we think about Joshua doesn't come about without Moses getting off the bench and going into Egypt. And so that's, yes. that's something for us to realize is that there's no retirement in the kingdom of heaven and everyone no. has value and a purpose in this body. That's a great point. Uh, I, I think far too often we, we, the older generation shortcut themselves by saying, because of who I am, I, I don't measure up to certain people. I didn't accomplish certain things. And just you by living up to a certain age and having longevity with God and walking with God, uh, far more people have unsung stories of trials that they have faced and things that they've learned that would be an immense blessing if shared with someone else. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, as I as we think about this, um, you know, and again, another point I want to follow up on that I really appreciate it is for the young people. I heard one of our elders recent, uh, say this recently is, is um, uh, just feeling like some of the older people have, have been forgotten. And that's something that is important for us to, to realize is young people. We need to have that voice to speak out as well. Yes, the older people need to pursue the younger, but the younger need to pursue the older as well to show them that they do have value. They're not forgotten. 
and uh, mm. both both all need to all need to initiate. Yeah, so I, yes. I really appreciate that thought. You know, one thing parents I think can can start doing from youth, and I and I love seeing it modeled. I had it modeled for me and with my parents, is teaching children to love and appreciate the older voices. Uh, it begins at home. It begins at home with mom and dads who who take the time to have their children engage in conversations with those who are older and. Um, when moms and dads place greater emphasis on on the older voices, uh, you you can do that. You can start that at home and build in that that thinking that there's there's wisdom and there's respect that belongs to those who've been walking with God for some time, and that'll that'll pay great dividends if that can start early. Yeah, and I think some of us, yeah. we, you and I, Jordan, can remember some of the same names, you know. And I and I, I think personally of Bob and Edith Robertson. And That's I, right. I remember Absolutely. working for, for them as a junior high student in the high school on the, in the summers, <laughs> you know, trimming shrubs and, and sitting, sitting on the, on the grass in between, you know, uh, trimming shrubs and just talking to them and listen to this world war II vet share memories. Uh, it was, it was oh, a special yes. experience. Well, yeah. or, you know, for, from our perspective, uh, being a four or five year old whose hero is uh, Bob Owen or Dee Bowman <laughs> or Paul Earnhardt, uh, some kids wanted to go be Batman and we were putting on ties because I want to be Bob Owen today. That uh, yeah, there's something about seeing seeing spiritual heroes among you uh, who are older and valuing that. That makes a big difference. Big big difference. Yeah, I remember. I remember. I don't know if you did it, but I remember Nathan, your brother, uh, doing it, going around with his Bible, having having preachers uh, autograph his Bible, and I thought those oh, I were his heroes. You know, I loved yeah. that. Yeah, you know, he, he was yeah, always going around have having that. preachers. Yeah, used to. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I got the, I got that, uh, I got that right over here. I got the, I got the Bible with the, uh, well, the names in it right here. So yeah, yeah. And that, but that again, that was a parenting thing as well. I mean, I, I know that you were things you guys did on your own, but there was a culture created sure. in the home that admired those who were older and looked up to them and surrounded you with that. And that is that is mm. something as well that that though in between we talk about old those who are younger those who are older, kind of the in betweens yeah. we have to remember we can help foster that culture as well. That's right. You know, one thing I love seeing here is there's some who are in their high school and every now and then they'll go and they'll sit with those who are in their 80s and 90s and widows and they'll go and they'll spend a Sunday with them. Uh, there's some who are in their early 20s, their young marriage, and they're taking the the senior saints among us out to eat for a meal. And so that kind of a culture can just thrive on this idea of legacy if if we can just take the time to build it in. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, great, great thoughts. Uh, I would see your dad made a comment. Faith of our fathers. Great discussion. Love you, Roger. And uh, glad you're with <laughs> no, us tonight. Thanks, so, um, well, why don't you close us out with a couple comments, uh, any wrap up, you know, any final comments, and then, and then we'll have a closing prayer, bro. I'd love to. Uh, obviously, again, the, the main takeaway, hopefully for us tonight, is that legacy, whether it's a broad spiritual legacy or even a congregational legacy, legacy doesn't happen by accident. It is the product of preparation of a generation who sees the value of what is, of what they have, of what they have received, and they wanted to continue. And so they take the time for that next generation. And the upcoming generation sees the value of what that uh, future generation has. 
and they want to have that too. And so they take the time to receive and to learn and to listen. And when those two go hand in hand, beautiful things happen. We, we see longevity of faith, not just in families, but you see it in, in congregations. I'll end with Joel chapter one, verse three. I realize there's a greater context to this, to what Joel is saying here, but the phrase itself, I think fits with, with our study. Joel one verse three says, tell your sons about it and let your sons tell their sons and their sons the next generation. That's what we want. I'm gonna tell my sons so they'll tell their sons and on and on and on this legacy will be passed. Thank you so much for studying with me tonight. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at Aaron, that's A-A-R-O-N, at shepherdingtalk.com. Thanks and have a great day.